What's up, nerds? Welcome back to the Games On Dude, a Big Ten basketball podcast that's now self-identifying as the Cincinnatus of podcasting. I'm Tommy Crimes. I'm Chris. And Babar's out this week, unfortunately. Um, He was taken into custody by the Las Vegas Police Department last night after going streaking down the strip when his bet on the Super Bowl coin toss hit. Um, Hopefully he'll be able to use his winnings to make bail, and he will be back next week. We've got a lot to discuss, including another weekend loss for the league leaders, Northwestern solidifying their tournament credentials, and Michigan's offensive struggles lighting theirs on fire. So let's get into it. First on the docket, your former number one Purdue Boilermakers. We were right. We were right. We were right. We were right. Um, they bounced back from their Derby loss last week with a pretty comprehensive win over Iowa on Thursday night, but then they faced a team that has guards on Sunday afternoon, and once again, that ended with the opposition fans on the court after the final buzzer. So, how worried should Purdue fans be that the Zoomer backcourt seems to struggle whenever they're actually defended? And do you think any of the analysts who love Zach Eady's soft hands notice his six turnovers? Well, I I think that Purdue fans should definitely be worried. Um, I think this weekend was the first time I actually saw some some fans on the timeline in in the general internet sphere, um, kind of coming to grips with that fear that oh shit, we have two guards that do not handle pressure well, and I know they um, they won comfortably against Iowa, um, but Iowa still turned them over seventeen times, like. I would I was pressing defense and their zone defense is kind of the engage eight of Big Ten basketball philosophy. Like if they don't get home in a couple seconds or get a steal going the other way, it's pretty much an easy two points. But as we saw um Sunday afternoon against Northwestern, as we have seen against Indiana, as we have seen against Rutgers, if you get into these guards and, and apply pressure, not just to them, but also to Edie, and obviously, you know there was some, some complaints online about the officiating. Like it's a road game in the big 10. Like it's physical. Like your coach, as, as I think <laughs> you tweeted, I, I think you tweeted, I would simply not get put in a position where officiating could determine the game. If I'm the number one team in the country. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've got it here in the notes. They were up 55, 47 with under four minutes to go and gave up a 17, three run to close the game. Like that's, you can complain all you want about officiating. That's, that's not officiating's fault. That was, you know, the pressure getting to them. They turned it over six times. I mean, Chase Audish, <laughs> you know, what becoming one of my favorite players in the league because there has never been a shot that he doesn't like, even if he's up, he's like one for 10 at that point, which I think he was something in the neighborhood of that on Sunday before. It he, was, it was getting close. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think he had scored two points up until that, like uh, that kind of, I don't think it was just that four minutes you were talking about, but I think it was a more extended second half run. But he basically mm-hmm. scored almost all of his points in like ten minutes. Yeah, like up into that that final stretch, it was pretty much all boo booey at that point. Like he had had half of their points, you know, up until you know the last last four minutes. Um, but I think I, I know I saw like some national media guys um, and kind of more prominent. Writers and I don't remember which ones off the top of my head, so people are going to think I'm bullshitting. But 
regardless, kind of acknowledging like, oh yeah, like a, an eight seed or a nine seed is going to be licking their chops um, in the second round. Like the, the blueprint is out on what you need to do against them. Yeah. I, um, I actually saw not a national journalist, but um, Dylan Sin, mm-hmm. uh, who writes for the journal Gazette in Fort Wayne, Mm-hmm. Um, he covers IU and Notre Dame and Purdue. So he's working his ass off this time of year, I would imagine. Um, mm-hmm. He tweeted, um, which if you follow us on Twitter, you saw, um, he tweeted a pretty good chance. You just saw how the Boilers season is going to end. Um, the book is out on this team. It appears they said, everyone can thank Indiana for providing the blueprint. I would argue that the games on dude podcast provided the <laughs> blueprint because we've been talking about this since like the second or third episode of this show that like, this is a good team, but mm-hmm. uh, I think actually KR maybe was the one who said it on our uh, preview podcast to Ragnarok. Um, Purdue fans maybe are getting fooled a little bit into thinking that they're better than they are because of the low quality of guards in this league right now. Like right now, it's like I, there are some. I mean, we're going to talk about um, one of them later in the show. We've already talked about Adige and Bowie, obviously, uh, Hood Shafino, and I mean, Xavier Johnson has been injured. They just don't face that many great guards. And I, I think, again, I know we talk about Purdue's guards all the time and I've said this before. I don't think they're bad players. I just think they're freshmen and they're not the kind of, they're not one and done freshmen. They're four year starter freshmen, which is great in three years. Like they're probably going to crush this league um, because they're going to have a ton of experience. And I think that they're talented players, but right now when they are pressured, that inexperience shows in a big way. I mean, they there's, just turnover bonanza when they get pressured late, especially late in games. I know we talked before about the um, the kind of late play where Braden Smith threw the ball away to race Thompson against IU. He did the same thing a couple of times in this game yeah. where he kind of got caught in the air and he hadn't made a decision about what he was going to do with the ball and he had nowhere to go and the ball just went straight into a Northwestern player's hands and it's just that's the kind of stuff that if you are in the round of 32 or the sweet 16 and you're playing a froggy mid-major who wants to take down a one seed, those are the kind of plays that are going to end up on compilations later of on TikTok of great upsets, you know? Yeah. And I, I agree with what you're saying. Like I think Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer are going to be good. And I say this with like out of respect be, being a fan of the other team uh, um, you know, their rival, they are going to be a pain in everybody's ass for four years. Oh yeah. Like, like that much is very clear, but for this particular Purdue team that has, you know, the guy that's going to win national player of the year, one of the most like dominant and efficient forces we've seen in college basketball in recent memory, the timing of just where they're at in their development as college basketball players doesn't mm-hmm. really lend itself to this particular Purdue team being a front runner or favorite for the national title. That's not saying that they won't win it, but it's just, you know, if they were juniors and seniors, we'd be having a lot of different discussions about what this team's ceiling is rather than constantly saying like, Hey, like this is how you beat them. It is very apparent. 
whether teams can go on and execute on that game plan is another thing, but like the blueprint is out there and, and teams are going to, I think we're going to start to see even more and more big 10 teams that maybe might not have the talent level that, you know, Purdue is going to see in the NCAA tournament, but at least try to speed them up and add some of that, that pressure and try to, you know, muck the game up. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Yogi Ferrell's freshman year at IU Mm -hmm. where he was, obviously he turned into a, one of our, I, I don't think I'm out of bounds saying this. One of the best IU players, at least of my lifetime. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my favorites ever, but as a freshman, he was still, obviously very talented and he could hang but he was definitely still raw and i i still think thinking back on that team if he had been a junior that team probably makes the final four run he just Mm -hmm. wasn't ready to put that team on his shoulders yet and i kind of wonder if purdue's in the same place where they're gonna need somebody other than Edie to do something as we've mentioned in the past uh, he's given you two points and that's it He's not going to hit threes. Um, honestly, like I, I haven't looked at the stats on this, and this, so I'm pulling this out of my ass. I could be wildly wrong. I don't even feel like he gets fouled that often because it's like the guys who defend him can't can barely reach him. Like there, there are sort of I, I may be totally wrong on that, um, but um, there's just he's a limited player in what he can bring you, and he can absolutely like bring you 40 points but that may not be enough to win a, a, a elite eight game yeah i mean he can get you 40 points but that's gonna that's dependent on his guards being able to get him the ball like zach Eady's not bringing yeah. the ball up um, right and that's what we've been saying the limitations of this roster are that they don't have enough ball handlers or guys that can create their own shot like late in the shot clock um you know if teams are selling out to to double Edie like Northwestern was like when Edie got the ball, they mm-hmm. were, you know, hounding him, but they oh, were yeah. also really aggressive on, on the closeouts um, when he kicked it back out and forcing um, Purdue into tough shots. Like I mm-hmm. had notes, like the only other person to hit a field goal in the second half was Ethan Morton. And that was a kind of a late in the shot clock fire up a contested fadeaway. And, you know, if you're Northwestern or anybody else in the country, I think you'll live with Ethan Morton hitting that shot. If you know, you lose the game because he's hitting five or six of those, you know, in the stretch of a half, you know, you tip your cap and say, um, good game. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, Purdue had the, has the benefit of they've, they've played a really easy big 10 schedule so far. And I, I'm not saying this is sour good. Like they have the benefit of not having to play themselves for one. Yeah. I was looking at today, seven of their 12 wins are against teams in the bottom you know, for the conference, like they've beat up on Minnesota, they've beat up on Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State. Like, you play the teams that are on your schedule. Like, you have to go out and win those games. Like, obviously, there aren't any easy road games in the Big Ten. Um, but I think we're starting to see a little bit of reversion to the mean. While Purdue is a very good college basketball team, I don't know that they're a great one. And now they're starting to, you know, they might be in danger of losing that top overall seed. And, you know, if that's the difference between playing in Louisville or playing in wherever the, the West coast or like Vegas or whatever, Dallas like, or something like da- that. Yeah. Like that could, that could be a huge, uh, you know, huge factor. If you get the put on the, in the bracket with the top two seed rather than, you know, yeah. the bottom two, like 
the margins matter at, at that level. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, and he continued slide is, um, I think I'm starting to see some signs of, of worry among the, the boiler fan base. Um, a little bit of, a yeah. little bit of lemon booty there. I mean, we, we said this before <laughs> They're they're not cut out to be front runners. It's fine. Like you can, you can accept that, but, um, you know, and, and in terms of the big 10 race, they're still probably going to win it. I mean, they're two and a half. Yeah. Up. But the doors creaking open a little bit. Like, yeah, you know, I was going to say, I don't know. Was that, was that you who tweeted the uh, Tom and Jerry? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, I saw that and I was kind of like, no, come on. And then I pulled up the standings. I was like, well, we're two and a half <laughs> games behind. And I know we've still got a game against Purdue at mm-hmm. Mackey, which obviously, I mean, <laughs> about as far from an easy win as you could possibly right. like you said it's a road big 10 game and it's against a top five team in the country and then add on the fact that it's against our rival um i know we sort of joke sometimes about kentucky being our biggest rival but we're definitely their biggest rival and yeah. we already beat him once like maggie's gonna be loud for that game but mm-hmm. you wins that game that's a game and a half. Yeah. I mean, like there's obviously IU or Northwestern would have to mm-hmm. probably like win out. Yeah. But, you know, the, it is ma- is not mathematically final yet. And the, the door is open wider than it was, mm-hmm. you know, 30. It's definitely open wider than I think any of us on this show expected. A week, weeks mm-hmm. ago declared this conference one and, I think I do think that door's cracked open a little bit. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're still still going to win the conference, and I think they're probably still going to win it by multiple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I do not think that either Northwestern or Indiana is going to win out. Like both of those teams is going to lose at least one game, but I think Purdue will yeah. too. So, yeah. And, and last thing on on Purdue before we um, get going, I will uh, be interested to see how they they answer on the road against uh, Maryland this week and how their yeah. base reacts. If there is a continued uh, struggles, because if you want to talk about a team that can pressure your guards and get up in your face and be physical, especially in a road environment, like we just saw this happen to Indiana, you know, two weeks ago, Maryland can, can get India and Jameer young is for my money, probably the best guard in the big 10, maybe Jalen Pickett, like, you know, kind of, I, I, think either one is an acceptable answer. They're obviously two different types of players, but that is certainly not going to be a cakewalk for the boilers. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of fun watching them score a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything for uh, later in the podcast, but that game will definitely be on. Um, I, I, I've got that one picked out because uh, as we've talked about recently, Maryland on the road it's it's very much that um like the kind of the little dog and then the big like <laughs> yeah. jacked like yeah. the um like Maryland on the road Maryland at home like I, I tweeted that they're that going against they're going against the yeah yeah I saw that about uh about Rutgers because they're kind of the the same thing when mm-hmm. they're away from the the rack or whatever yeah. um and then one final thing about Purdue um we were right. We were right. Now on to another team that we have kind of been right about, but every time we talk about them, we accidentally make them bad again. Northwestern. 
Um, They won at Ohio State Thursday night and then followed that up with one of the biggest wins probably in the history of their program against the aforementioned number one Purdue on Sunday. Um, At the risk of us perceiving Northwestern basketball and therefore cursing them once again, do you think this is now enough to get them into the tournament for the second time in their history or do they still have work to do? I think on the last podcast, I said they needed three wins. It didn't matter how they got them. Um, Honestly, I wasn't expecting them to get Purdue, so that calculus might have changed a little bit. But I think if they get one more, they're pretty much a lock. And honestly, I think they're probably going to be okay anyways. um, I was looking at, you know, the bracket matrix this morning. They were on the... um, They're on the nine line, so they've got a little bit of cushion, and obviously that would require the bottom to fall out, which, you know, could happen. I don't think it yeah. will. This, I think this pretty, pretty solid team um, it would also require a lot of teams below them leapfrogging them. And I, you know, you look, look at some of the, the names there, like a North Carolina or a Wisconsin or a, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. So I think one more, one more W for the cats and their, uh, their dancing and Chris Collins gets another mega extension. Yeah. And I mean, uh, at the risk of, doing more jinxing for the two of us, at least um, they've got another big game coming on Wednesday. Hoosiers coming to town. I mean, if they, if they down Purdue and then they beat us in a row, uh, two games in a row, then that's, yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's pretty a much a lock at that point. Like I think they could conceivably lose almost every other game they've got. And those mm-hmm. two, those two pelts probably do it. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, <sighs> Longtime listeners of the show will know <laughs> I've been I've been really fascinated by Northwestern all season, um, and I kind of I went into that game I, I didn't really have super high expectations, um, but obviously with the amount that we talk about Northwestern, I was I was hopeful they would play well and mm-hmm. at least um, comport themselves well against Purdue, but I. I I sort of saw the score for a bit. I I was doing other stuff, and then I saw how close it was at the end. I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta put this on. I can't miss this. Um, and I'm at the point where like I'm I'm not only thinking that they're probably a tournament team. I I tweeted this from our account earlier this afternoon. Like I think they should be ranked. I think they're a top yeah. twenty five team right now. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think they were what the the second team out. I think yeah, um, they got a lot. They got a lot of votes. Yeah, so, I mean, um, they were right point, behind Missouri. Yeah, at that point, it's like you know, one or two more guys get you in. You're you're in the mix. Um, I mean, this this is a team that I think I'm not saying like is going to be you know stealth Final Four run, but like they could win a game in the tournament. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Hundred like, percent. They've got good guard play. They defend well. They can hit threes. Like you know they're. They're going to be a tough match. Like they honestly, if the bracket shakes out nicely, if the bracket shakes out nicely for them, I mean, they could get to the Sweet Sixteen. I think guys get hot. I mean, yeah, and I think yesterday was a good, or you know, yesterday. By the time people listen to this, it'll be Tuesday. But on Sunday, um, was a good example of you know why why they're so dangerous is that even in a game where you know they're trailing the entire time by. You know, I think it was probably between like six and eight points for most of the game, at least from what what yeah. I was watching. That they 
they just kind of hang around, hang around and, and, you know, they don't really stray from what they're doing. Like, you know, you'll see some, some teams, if they get down or like kind of, you know, start running into a wall, they'll, they'll start kind of getting out of their flow and start running some things that maybe not, um, come as regular to their offense, but you know, they for, just kind of stuck example, with full Indiana. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like we said earlier, like chase Audige, he was like one for 10, one for 11 at that point. He's still putting up shots. And once he finally, mm-hmm. finally got him to fall, you know, that's when things starting to turn. And then, you know, he picked, I can't remember if it was brain Smith or Fletcher. one of the, he picked one of the guards pockets in the, the backcourt led to a dunk, you know, the crowd's going crazy. And at that point, you know, that's when the, the lemon booty kicks in. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, we got to give a shout out to the Northwestern crowd. Like that yeah, was, they, they were, I, I was, I was seeing tweets. Um, I, I don't remember from whom, sorry, but um, I was seeing tweets where people were like, it is legitimately the loudest it's ever been in this arena. And that was pregame. Yeah. Like that was the sort of pregame like hype, which I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it gets very loud at that, at those times, but um, I, it's all I, obviously, when you're a program that has one tournament berth in its history and you start getting pretty good, um, you hope the fans will get behind the team and they have done so in spades. So um, just happy for them. What? You know, mm-hmm. I was, it was a good game, good performance. Um, glad they got to storm the court and everything. I didn't see anybody get pissed off that they stormed the court. So they don't have to deal with that narrative. I mean, I guess they're not ranked and they're not like a blue blood. So whatever, but still storming the court rocks. Uh, Two things. There was a, a a column from our favorite uh, local columnist. uh, Oh, I forgot. (laughs) Praising the, uh, the boilers for not um, engaging in fisticuffs with any, um, any fans. So I guess kudos to, Purdue for not um, not going run or test mode. Um, but one more thing on Northwestern, and I, I know we might do superlatives at the end of the year. Is, is Chris Collins your coach of the year in the Big Ten? Because I think he would I, be mine. I think he's. I, I think he has to be. Uh, obviously, I think Matt Painter's probably actually going to win it if they win the conference because yeah, that that's just tends how, it to be how it goes. Um, I think Chris Collins. I mean, they. We talked about this a few weeks ago. They were right. being picked twelfth, thirteenth in the conference going into the season, and they are. I think at worst right now, the fourth best team in the conference. Like, I, I don't think that you can argue. I think you can put Purdue ahead of them. I would probably put Indiana ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a little ways to go, so we'll see how that shakes out, especially based on what happens on Wednesday. I mm-hmm. think you could make an argument maybe for Rutgers or Illinois, but I don't think you can make yeah. the argument for both. And I mean, if they end up finishing second in the conference, of course, like he's got to be coach of the year because yeah. nobody expected that. And I know that they had Adige and Bowie returning, but they sucked last year. Yeah. Like that, like I, I know having your starting guard, your starting backcourt return is generally seen as a good thing, but nobody saw it as a good thing because it's only good if those guards don't suck and they kind of did last year and they definitely don't this year. They are the random number generator is coming out a lot more in their favor. I feel like now than it was last year. Yeah. I I think if they finish in the top four and get that double buy, 
pro- that, that probably means they end up around 12 or 13 wins. I think he probably mm-hmm. gets it. Um, yeah, and which, I mean, they're also a team that, especially if they do get that double bye, they could be a tournament champion. I mean, yeah. they could do that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, loving, loving what we're seeing from the Cats um, makes yeah. Wednesday night even more uh, enticing. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully the fact that we've talked about them in a segment now doesn't uh, <laughs> curse them. But hey, I mean, we're IU fans, so I guess I hope they have a rough time on Wednesday night. Um, speaking of teams that have had a rough time against Indiana, let's talk about Rutgers for a little bit. Um, they lost to IU and to Illinois over the past week. And as such, they have plummeted from that coveted being ranked and in the top four zone into the conference's mid table miasma. And obviously we kind of have to talk about this. Um, Kramer, uh, Chris Kramer Award nominee <laughs> uh, Paul Mulcahy has been resubmitted this week by at Please Be Good IU, um, which gives us a great opportunity to lambast him for trying to injure Trace Jackson Davis on Tuesday night, which is like, I, I, I try not to get too mad about sports these days. I'm 35 years old. I feel like at a certain point, if you're like, putting holes in the wall because your team lost you, you need to deal with your shit. Go touch some grass. I was really pissed about that. Cause that's not just like a hard foul. That's a dirty play. That's great. Not the first time. It's not the first time he's done it against Indiana. Specifically. I don't in my life. I have not watched that much Rutger basketball outside of games against Indiana. So I don't know really what his sort of um, um, <clears throat> reputation is outside of that, but he's now tried to punch Xavier Johnson. He's tried to trip Trace Jackson Davis from behind. You're you're edging from annoying into dirty player zone. I feel like at yeah. that point, yeah, he, he's approaching Davison territory, and I think that that's an appropriate comparison because Rutger is kind of the new Wisconsin and that just like Mm -hmm. just everything about them is just, it sucks. It's just Just kind of gross. The entire aesthetic, like against IU, like when, when things weren't going well, they just kind of resort to like the tackle basketball shit, just like trying to muck it up. Like the the hog wrestling, like, like shit. And when you've got a, a, a guard like McKay, that's, you know, very clearly trying to trip the other team's best player. Um, like that, that's how you get a, a reputation for, you know, being, being a shitty, shitty program and shitty fan base that everybody ends up hating. Yeah. Like at a certain point, you've got a rap sheet as a player yeah. and that's just kind of what you expect. I mean, I was watching when I was watching them play Illinois, I tweeted this kind of half as a joke but they were down 10 late and I was like, all right, cool. I guess it's time for Mulcahy to try to injure somebody. Yeah. Um, engage, engage the protocol. Yeah. Um, I'm actually glad you mentioned Brad Davison because I had this thought earlier this week, forgot about it when I was putting together notes for the show and have remembered it now. Um, move for a new, not segment, but um, I, I want to create Mount Davison. 
I'm thinking about this as like the Mount Rushmore of guys who aren't just annoying. This isn't Chris Kramer award. This is like actually dudes who are playing dirty, like dudes who yeah. are out to injure people. Um, and Paul Mulcahy, you are now the second face on this uh, <laughs> ignoble mountain um, right next to Brad Davison uh, himself. So kudos. Also kudos for in that game, having more turnovers than points and two separate times in key situations, missing the front of a front end of a one-on-one one and one. Um, so I guess I understand why you were so pissed. It's because you suck. Um, yeah. There's still only a game out of second place, though, which. Yeah, but like, like we said last week, like they had a big week coming up and it's like, hey, you win one or both of these games. You've pretty much locked up second place and they lost both of those games to teams that are now ahead of them and that they're Mm -hmm. also going to be fighting for an NCAA tournament seeding probably behind both of them now. Um, You know, so great, great week for our, our boys out in. Piscataway, I, I would be lying yeah. if I said I, it was a, a shame to see. Couldn't, could not possibly happen to a nicer group of people. Yeah. Um, also, um, as we transition from team to team, I just want to call out that um, right now uh, the Indiana women's team is up 54 yeah. 29 on Ohio State uh, in Columbus. This team's so. a fucking wagon. Yeah, um, tough scene for the other NPC basketball coach at Ohio State. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Wrecker, until further notice, you've lost the S again. You can yep. earn it back by no longer playing dirty basketball. Good luck. Um, speaking of teams that are having issues, although not, as far as I could tell, really doing anything dirty, um Michigan is having some issues. Um they won resoundingly at Nebraska on Wednesday, but that's not really that hard to do in general. Um and then they almost immediately squandered that momentum when they failed to score a point over the last 5 minutes and 19 seconds of a 62 to 61 loss to number 18 Indiana. So I, I my main question here is, is there any reasonable explanation for Hunter Dickinson only attempting one shot during that blistering four nothing Indiana run one shot? I, you know, I, without remembering the, you know, the exact game script of who was shooting. Um, then I know Indiana was playing some pretty good defense on them. And I know, you know, they made a couple plays on them late that were intended to go to him, but um, could have just been Kobe Bufkin and Jet Howard and Doug McDaniel all having terminal NBA brain. <laughs> like that, I I looked over the um, I was curious about it because I felt like I remembered him not really getting the ball a lot in the mm-hmm. run. So I looked at the um play by play, and I think it was like two Bufkin misses, two Jet Howard misses. Um, yeah, I think uh, Doug also um had one and then the the late one the late jet miss i don't really count that was yeah that was just really great defense but um it's kind of um one of those things where um this kind of happens with iu sometimes where 
you want to get trace the ball as much as you possibly can. And it's not always easy, but when you're not doing it, guy sitting on the couch is like, Oh, you got to get the ball to the big man. Oh, he's your best player. Why isn't he touching the ball? It's like, well, because the other team has decided that that's the way that you're going to win. And they have figured out a scheme, which denies you the ability to do so. And it's like, if you've got guys who can still, I mean, there have been years past where IU was not able to get Trace Jackson Davis the ball in those situations. If he was being denied access, they could not find a way around that. Mm-hmm. I think they're better at that now. Um, I think uh, Jalen Hood Shafino's helped a lot with that. I just don't know that the skill set of Michigan's guards is really such that that is an easy fix. I, I feel like those are, like you said, they're NBA brain guys. They're going to try to get the shot. They're going to try to play ISO ball. They're not thinking we got to get the ball inside and try to play an inside out game or whatever. Cause I mean, even if they were doing that more, they might've been able to get more open shots, but even that wasn't really happening. If I remember right. Yeah. I mean, in the first half jet and, and Buffkin, they would, they had Indiana's wings just in hell. They were, cooking them left and right and you know whether it be defensive adjustments in the you know in the locker room at halftime which i think mike woodson has shown um to be pretty adept at this year especially on the the defensive end um of late or whether it was just michigan failing to execute and i i know we've talked about this on um some of the other podcasts when talking about michigan is that you know they're they're another team whose who's guards and perimeter players are kind of a random number generator. And like, you know, kudos to Indiana for um, obviously stepping up and having a good defensive game plan in the second half. But, um, you know, Michigan's inability to execute at all down the stretch was, um, you know, tough to see, especially in that particular game where if, you know, they win that game, they're kind of starting starting to work back on the periphery of of the bubble. And, um, you know, without that, that win, it's going to be kind of hard for them to get back in the, in the mix. That was one they, I think are really going to regret not getting, um, especially when it's the, I feel like the specific situation doesn't help the fact that they had a late lead mm -hmm. and blew it. But it wasn't even like it wasn't like IU went off. It was a four right. nothing run over yeah. five and a half minutes. Like it's not like we were scoring. We got, I think, a bucket from Trace Jackson Davis, and then Jalen Hitchavino hit two free throws, and that was it. Yeah. So that's yeah. if you're a if you're a Wolverine fan, I feel like that's a really that's a really tough loss to take. And from looking around online this afternoon it really did seem like i think i saw maze and brew the sb nation blog tweeted to absolutely nobody's surprise uh michigan is on the outside looking in of the tournament picture (laughs) right now yeah i'm like yeah true but also that's tough i mean a lot of talented players there um I feel like you got to figure out a way to make that work. 
Yeah, I've um, I've DM'd with a couple of of, of Michigan guys and kind of asked for their take on what the kind of what's wrong with this team. And you know, like you said, there's there is talent on the roster. I think you could argue that in terms of just sheer talent, they've probably got a top three or four roster in the conference. But for whatever reason, that you know, the pieces just don't don't fit. And you know, kind of the second straight year that that Michigan's underachieved under under Howard and you know you assume that that Jet goes to the NBA I'm assuming praying that Hunter Dickinson either decides to expand his podcast empire or go to the NBA or go get a job somewhere um he can join the uh, he can join the games on network if he wants yeah um you know just a, a another tough tough year for the for the Wolverines like the conference record looks good but I think you know they're pretty, pretty far off the, off the bubble at this point. Yeah, one thing I I know we've talked about this a little in the past. I would um, I would be interested to see what Michigan fans take on Juwan Howard is at this mm-hmm. moment, um, because I. I don't know, man. There's a lot of talent there, and I know that it doesn't all fit together perfectly, but. I, as I've said about Chris Holtman, that's kind of on the coach. I think like, yeah. you can't just hold up your hands and say, well, I don't have a team. It's like, well, buddy, you recruited those players and like half of them are your children. So. Yeah. And he kind of has the disservice of, he did so well early on in his tenure with B yeah. players, which is usually, you know, the opposite of what happens with, a new coach as you come in and either got to get your guys, yeah. got to get your guys, either the cupboards bare or guys stay on, but they're not very good, which is why the coach got fired and um, kind of going in reverse order. He's, you know, he's been there for, I think this is what his fourth year there, you know, so this is, this is a roster almost, you know, 90% of his doing, I can't remember if Dickinson was um, his guy or not, but even, you know, He's their best player, so it's not like yeah. going to use that against him. Um, you know, yeah, you absolutely is... cannot convince me that Hunter Dickinson <laughs> is the problem here, right? It's you know, whatever way you want to slice and dice it, it's underachieving, and I I don't think he's in any danger of being fired. Like I think the vibe around him and the program is a little bit different than what's going on in in Columbus right now, um, mm-hmm. but I think. There, there, there could be a little heat on the seat um, next year if um, they yeah. get off to a slow start or something. Yeah, I would not be super surprised to uh, to see that next year. I, I, I certainly don't think that this is a seat is smoking right now situation. Right. But um, I think it, I think it's just hard to go from the sustained success and like the highs of what Beeline had. And thinking that you're gonna mm-hmm. continue to have that after like Jawan's first couple of yeah. years, and just to backslide like this so rapidly, I think can be kind of jarring. And once you kind of lose that momentum and start to lose different portions of the fan base, and especially a fan base like Michigan, where there's going to be probably guys with money involved in yeah. some of the de- decision making. Um, that that's like we saw with Crean. Um, Again, not to tie everything back to India, but once you kind of lose a certain section of the fan base, it's really hard to get that yeah. momentum back. Yeah, and there's also guys that once you lose them, especially if they are guys who um, 
have been big supporters in the past. I mean, again, not to do too much IU slash Cream talk, but that's kind of where I was at his last season. I was like, I've spent the last several years defending you online, and I'm tired of it. Like, mm-hmm. let's get a guy I don't have to spend so much energy on. And I don't yep. think that's quite where they are in Michigan right now, but that could be coming. I'm sure a quick Twitter search would yield some pretty good results if you just search oh, yeah. like John Beeline, Jawan Howard. Like, yeah. I, I guarantee there's a, a subsection of that fan base out there that wants to bring oh, Beeline yeah. back, which, I, I mean, Beeline's a hell of a coach, but, um, yeah. you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, let's uh, let's move on to a uh, another team with a relatively big-name coach. Um, we did promise you, the listener, that we would talk more about Andre Curbelo than we would about Nebraska basketball this season. But they actually earned their way into the rundown this week with a 73-63 win over Wisconsin, which included a 20-2, if I remember correctly, Nebraska run in the second half. Let us talk together now, very simply, as <laughs> men, about Kaisei Tomonaga and how he how much he whips ass despite being a headband guy. And before we get too far in also, I do want to mention that I spent like five minutes before we started recording looking up the proper way to pronounce his name because I honestly could not remember. And Nebraska's website says something that makes absolutely no sense based on what I know of Japanese names. So I'm going with Kaisei. Yeah. He's nice with it. If if he's listening, Kaisei, if you're listening and I'm saying your name wrong, please let me know. I'll fix it. Yeah, yeah. We we are huge fans of him here on the pod. Uh, over his last three games, uh, had a thirty piece against Penn State, which we talked about a little bit Sunday night when I gave him a shout. Followed it up with twenty four on the road in Ann Arbor, and then twenty two against uh, against Wisconsin. Um, he's he's just fun to watch. Like he. He's a yeah. guy that he's le- he's lefty, so that is one thing. Uh, but he bombs it from deep. He's one of those guys that is always just like constantly moving and in motion. Like he's he's getting a lot. He gets a lot of um, like backdoor cuts or like kind of in the right place at the right time buckets, and just very shifty and shaky when he has the ball. Like a lot of shot fakes, and um, he's he's a delight when he gets going. Um, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the conference, which. I did not expect myself to be saying about, you know, a team that's a Nebraska thriving. player, yeah. <laughs> a Nebraska player, but you know, they're, they're watchable. Like I, I can tell yeah. watching there. I mean, they're not all that good. Like they're better than they, they have been under Hoiberg, but you know, they're competitive and you know, they play hard. Like it's better. It's better than the direct that um, like Ohio state and Minnesota yeah. and Wisconsin are rolling out this year. Yeah, I know we talked about Nebraska a touch last week um, and how they may not be necessarily quote-unquote good, but they're sort of maybe starting to get it together a little bit. Um, I kind of was at the point where I I was pretty out on Fred Hoiberg. I kind of felt like, you know, man, at, at a certain point, like, you can't forever be living off of the fact that you were pretty good at Ohio, or Ohio State, Iowa State mixing up my four letter Midwestern States there um, at a certain point, you got to get the job done and yeah. he wasn't doing it, but I don't know. Like they, they, 
might be starting to figure something out here. And I, I kind of, I'm interested in the future of Nebraska basketball right now in a way that I haven't been since they joined the big 10. Yeah. And Hoiberg an interesting case in that. I think, I think he's a really good coach. Obviously you don't have the success that he does at Iowa state and go and coach in the, the NBA like he did um, without being a good coach, but for whatever reason, just hasn't worked at Nebraska. And I know Nebraska is not the easiest job in the Big Ten, especially, um, you know, in, in, in basketball, just some of the, the challenges you face in recruiting players. Um, but they've got great facilities. They've got a good fan base. Like, they're, they've got a, a nice a nice arena. I, I, if you listen to um, the CBS podcast with Parrish and, and Norwinner, they always talk about, you know, you don't go into – pinnacle bank arena and walk out with a win um but like i i'm kind of with you i i was kind of out on on hoiberg in, in general at this job and just it, it didn't work like on paper it's a great hire for whatever reason it didn't work um, yeah. but I, I think he's bought himself a little bit of um a little bit more time like you're starting to see a little bit of positive momentum which um might be all that he needs to you know, be competitive in the the league next year, you know, land a couple guys in the transfer portal, continue to, you know, develop a couple guys on your roster, like, like Tomonaga or, or, um, you know, CJ Wilcher has had some, some times and, or, or even his own, his own kid has been getting some, some minutes lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously they're not what I would consider dangerous. Like, like, I don't think, they're going to go on like a run in the big 10 tournament, but they'll be annoying. Like they could, yeah. they could win a game or two. They're definitely the kind of team that I feel like I know I sort of joked about this earlier about, um, I think it was uh Michigan beating Nebraska. It's like, that's not <laughs> that big of a deal, but yeah, it is sort of starting to get to the point where like, yeah, they're not a spectacular team or anything, but I do think that like it actually takes, like you have to actually get out of bed to beat them, you know. They took Purdue to overtime at home, like back in December. Yeah, like they're not- I mean they've they've had some other wins. Um, so they they, this beat, this beat Ohio be, State at home. <laughs> which yeah, I mean isn't much, <laughs> but it's a name. I don't I don't want to guarantee that this is like the start of something beautiful in Lincoln, but mm-hmm. you know who fucking knows? You never know. I've seen weirder things happen. Butler yeah, went to I mean, two straight national championship games. <laughs> like I, it's that's not as weird as successful basketball coach being successful at major yeah. program. Yeah, Fred Hoiberg finishes three games under five hundred in conference play. Like masses in the street with the newspapers. Like yeah, extra extra read all about it. Like, but I mean, I've, when you've been a, a doormat in the league for as long as they have mm-hmm. been, like any any glimmer of hope, I think, is worth latching yeah. on to yeah and especially if that's based around having an actually cool player yeah so huskers fans go off enjoy your fun um you want to get into the uh, kramer award nominees yep all right so you know the drill give us a five-star rating on the podcast pod catcher of your choice and we'll let you shout out a Big Ten basketball player you hate. Um, 
because I am really bad at checking our email, that's gamesonpod at gmail.com. This one's been percolating for a few weeks. <laughs> um, listener Thomas Zambiasi, probably pronouncing your name right or wrong. I apologize. Um, he offered a couple of perhaps underrated options. Mo Wagner and Ethan Hat. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Look, another Wisconsin big guy that we're... <laughs> Um, I know shitting. he he annoyed the shit out of me. Um, just played a very bland, very was like Wisconsin brand of basketball, but even extreme by their standards. Like awful free throw shooter. Um, dribbled weird. Was probably the best I've ever seen in Big Ten play at the elbow hook, like spinning baseline, like in the post, just a very annoying player um, all around. Yeah. Those are uh, two good calls. I think Um, I feel like didn't Mo Wagner, like wasn't what I feel like he was Dickinson esque a little bit. In his yeah, sort of on court stuff, like yeah, that, he was kind I, of. I remember little, being very annoyed by him. Yeah, he was kind of a little shithead at times, um, and he he was obviously on the those really really good Michigan. Uh, the I think the one yeah. that um, lost to Villanova in the the title. I believe game. so. Always kind of a little bit of a a heel. Very good. Like don't get me yeah. wrong, very good, and has had a you know, a decent NBA career and his brother was obviously very good, but um, yeah, he's kind of, that's a good submission, kind of a sneaky underrated um, yeah. guy, kind of a punchable face. Um, our submitter mentioned that many of his uh, main picks had already been taken. So <clears throat> yeah. we may be getting to the point in the uh, Kramer awards where, we're either having repeats or you're going to have to really dig deep to find somebody. <laughs> and honestly, like still saying more, are you guys will figure something out. Yeah. yeah find the um, hate deep in your heart. Yeah. We can at least put ourselves in your shoes and understand why you hate a specific player. Yeah. Um, next up. Um, this is by the way, the absolute worst submission we could have possibly gotten on a week. Babar isn't here. <laughs> so we're going to have to remember to circle back to this next week after um, he's out of whatever jail they have under the Caesars palace in uh, Vegas. But um, from Weez 93 on Twitter, DJ bird. <laughs> I believe, I believe we called him the only cool, the only cool Purdue player uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, just a, a very stereotypical, hateable Purdue guy from a very hateable era of Purdue guys in general. Um, was he an original DUI haver at Purdue? Oh, man. Um, I, I know he got remember. arrested. Look, let's look that up because was, I don't want to. I don't want to accidentally. I don't want to get accused of uh, slander here. So let's let's look that up. Public intoxication. Because I remember the chant was always "Jailbird." Oh um, yeah, public intox isn't nearly as bad. I don't think. Like, yeah, you can get that just for being an annoying shithead, which you know <laughs> 
is also how you get a Kramer nominee, Kramer Award nominee. So, you know. Anyway, shout out Lisa Ann. <laughs> he is now coaching at uh, Mercer University, I believe. Head coach or assistant? Um, assistant. Let me find his Wikipedia real quick. And I know people love... Um, they love listening to the... This, they, is, this, is, this is, as they say, great radio. Yeah. Because uh, when I was typing his name into the search bar, I think his mugshot was popping up. That's actually uh, incredibly cool. All right, it's not... It's not showing up. It doesn't matter, but I just thought that was funny. A very, uh, very classic, uh, Indiana guy looking mugshot. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, via red dead Fred on Twitter, Mitch McGarry. Mm. Another, the- another, uh, <laughs> Michigan submission. He was Dickinson before Dickinson. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, didn't he get, wind up out of the NBA for, did he fail too many drug tests or something like that? Or did he just suck or a combination of both? I think it might've been a combination of the two. Um, I know he's not in the league anymore. Yeah. He was, I remember hating him a lot because at the time, Indiana and Michigan were both like top five teams in the country. And um, yeah, he was, he's always kind of a, just a big meathead yeah, douche type. Um, that's again really good, irritating good vibes. Really irritating vibes from him. Yeah, all around. Um, I do also want to uh, throw out there that um, as a part of his submission, Fred uh, mentioned that he this past summer met uh, fellow uh, Chris Kramer Award nominee Jordan Bohannon. Um, they were in a wedding <laughs> together. And apparently Jordan was a nice, humble guy, which just goes to show you that you should never meet your villains. <laughs> that uh, really does really does take the edge off the hate a little bit. And we're like, <laughs> oh, okay, so he's just like a chill dude. No, that sucks. I don't want to hear that. I mean, tell us if you've met these people. Yeah. Um, but just know that um, all it's going to tell me is that I need to forget that I know that so that I can go back to hating. Yeah. I, I think the, the genesis of the Chris Kramer awards is that these are players that we hate as basketball players, say right. like Brad Davison, who is an evil person. Right. And that's what uh, we have Mount Davison for now. Right. Right. This is strictly from the, from the viewpoint of hating, um, yeah, as big 10 basketball players. Like I'm sure not like every person on this list would be, perfectly acceptable to like still hang (laughs) go have a beer with and and watch a game like it then like but yeah with a few exceptions i'm sure i bet there's a couple guys on this list who would just suck but oh yeah that doesn't also necessarily make you a horrible person no except in the context of uh sports hate which you know is the most important type of hate Mm-hmm. Right. Who's next? We've also we've also got our our first ever non-player nominee. This comes from at Scott. Um, yeah, it's S K O U G H T, which I I dig that. Referee Bo Borowski. Oh, Broderbull's finest. Which, when I was looking him up uh, to kind of refresh my memory, the first I shit you not, 
the first entry on Google is a change.org petition to <laughs> remove him from officiating Big Ten games. My, uh, he was my so general... bad Wisconsin fans hated him. <laughs> my general stance on officials is that if a majority of fans that watch the sport know you by name and face, like mm-hmm. probably not a great place to be. Um, yeah. In general, I, I agree. Once Ted Valentine stopped doing big 10 games, I think Barofsky kind of took the mantle as, as the face of, you know, the, the face the of evil, on, the pox on society that is big 10 officiating a, uh, a fun fact. I, I forget who it was. So I apologize um, for not remembering who, who sent me this on Twitter a couple of years ago, <laughs> sent me a picture of uh, a, t- a carry out order at, the Broderbull Bagel Deli for Bo Borowski with his phone number on it. God, that's so good. Did you call him? I, th- I thought about it, but I was like, hey, maybe we don't. So now this <laughs> Wait, guy's personal information. Don't, don't tweet at Crutes and do not uh, swat a Big Ten referee. <laughs> yeah, but we, leave that shit for Kentucky fans. Yeah. He, uh, I, that, I'm pretty sure he... Arby's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he runs like a like officiating like consultancy training type thing, which I got to say is just like a tremendous grift to be yeah. one. Uh, again, I he's, he was probably a very technically good official um, by the letter of the law, but obviously I'm going to hate him regardless. Um, but it, it's very funny to be widely recognized as like being a shitty official and be like, eh, you know what? I'm just going to, train the the next wave of uh officials on on my ways yeah that's that's definitely what we want we want the bo Borowski coaching tree <laughs> is uh with as many branches as possible yeah um so next up is an interesting one this uh comes from a friend of the show vt underscore ben uh thanks ben um, he submitted Amir Williams of Ohio State fame, and this is a an audio medium, so I can't really share this. But <laughs> uh, it, alongside his submission, uh, he sent this to us in the DMs on Twitter. It's a photo of Amir Williams, air quotes, playing defense in a tournament game, where he is standing there with this look of just complete dispassion on his face, with his hands straight up about four feet away from the restricted circle while an opposition player uh, scores an uncontested layup. It's so good. I think that kind of sums up Amir Williams, like entire stick is that nobody has ever hated playing basketball more than Amir Williams. He, just, he simply had no interest in being there whatsoever. Which is, I think that's why it's such a funny submission is that like, I don't know what it is. And unless there's like a specific moment that I'm not remembering against like in, against Indiana that he pulled some shit, but oh, I we've had a few of those in the past where people have submitted names and I didn't quite get it, and then later on they followed up. Um, shit, now I can't think of the guy's name, but um, the Wisconsin player who's a coach now, the one that got punched by Juwan Howard, Krabenhoft. Uh, yeah, Krabenhoft, um, the person who submitted that then sent us a video of that later that week. 
and it was uh, they were it was Wisconsin Purdue game, and he just absolutely levels a Purdue player with a maybe not. It was like the kind of screen that's like I think technically legal, but when you see a guy do it, you're like that should not be fucking legal. Like it was mm-hmm. kind of one of those where he had his arms up and kind of pushes out. Like he doesn't quite elbow him in the head. It was like a master yeah. class and almost being visibly dirty, but not. Mm-hmm. It was like the, uh, yeah. So I, there may be an Amir Williams moment coming. Uh, uh, ben, if there's something we're forgetting, remind us and we will, uh, we will update. Um, we're nothing if not meticulous with our research on the games on dude. Um, but yeah, I, ju- I just, that, that photo is, I, yeah. I got to remember after we finish recording this, I'm going to tweet that because yeah, it's just I was going to so say, funny. make sure we, we get it out into the, into the ether was, I'm trying to remember when he was there. It was, was he there like late in the kind of the downfall of, um, if I Ohio remember State. right, if I remember right, I think it was kind of a late Mata. Uh, uh, 2012 to 15, so kind of like the the tail end of those last last good teams. Um, yeah, that Mata had. Yeah, that that's a very funny submission. I love it. Like I, like I said a minute ago, we've got enough of these so far that we're gonna have to start getting weird with this a little bit. And mm-hmm. I, I, I cannot wait. Um, our final nominee for the week. Um, this comes from goaded sauce on Apple podcasts. Um, he submits Derek Nix of Michigan state. Um, Chris, I'm just going to pass you the rock here as the uh, resident Michigan state expert. I'm going to assume that this is an IU fan. Um, <clears throat> my, my main recollection of Derek Nix is that he's the one that punched Cody Cody Zeller in the dick. Oh yeah. <laughs> so going uh, Draymond Green mode. <laughs> yeah. So like I, you know, I don't think Michigan State I, basketball a proud history of punching dudes in the dick. Yeah, I don't have any other real recollection of him being another an outright dirty player. And it's you know, in terms of Michigan State players that were, you know, he wasn't really good enough to be a guy that really drew a bunch of, of ire for his on-court play. Um, I feel like I remember him, again, as an IU fan, as sort of a guy who, whenever we'd play them, he'd score like 10 or 15 points. I'd be like, fucking Derek Nix? Come on. Yeah, I mean, he was primarily... Which is perfect for this kind of thing. Like, that's the kind of guy... Like, that's the kind of guy I remember is the, come on, this fucking guy? Yeah. Um I mean, he was always kind of uh, like a bench guy, and he was on um, a couple of, of decent Michigan State teams with like Gary Harris and like Adrian mm-hmm. Payne, but um, never really like a, a dominant like guy. Like he could get you like double digit points, but in terms of being like a you know an all Big Ten caliber player, that wasn't him. So I'm I'm assuming that this submission was entirely based on you know the punch the Cody Zeller's nether regions. Yeah. Well, one of our listeners has nominated him for a Chris Kramer award. So I say, fuck him. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, so yeah, thank you to everybody who's given us a five-star review. Um, as always, if you send us proof, you did it. We will talk shit about someone you hate. 
also I'm going to throw out there um, going forward. Uh, tell us what you want me to call you on the show, because I'm sure some of you don't necessarily want to be associated <laughs> with this. So um, I'm right now. I'm just saying whatever's on your email or your Twitter or whatever, but if you'd prefer to be called something else, just uh, just let me know, and I will. I'll call you whatever you want. I don't really care what it is, as long as it's not something that I am morally opposed to saying aloud. Um, yeah, but, we don't. We don't want know. anybody. Uh, we don't want Amira Williams tw- uh, tweeting pictures of your house at you or anything like that. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean that seems more like a Paul Mulcahy move, but you know. We'll yeah. see. All right. So let's talk about uh, what we have in the week to come, our noteworthy games. Um, first of all, in the games on category, um, top of the list is Wednesday night at nine. Indiana goes to Northwestern. Like we said earlier, they just beat the number one team in the country. And now they have the number 13. Is that where we are now? I don't know. I think, I think 14. somewhere in there. Th- somewhere yeah, 13, in the 14. teens. We got moved up a little bit. Um, so yeah, let's see if they've got another one in them. Um, selfishly, I hope not, but you know, we'll see. Um, that should be a great. That should be a fun game, though. Um, I keep thinking at some point Xavier Johnson's going to come back. I would like, I think, to have him back against Bowie and Adige, but yeah, I don't know. Big, big one battle for battle for second place. Um, yeah, revenge opportunity for for the Hoosiers um, and for Northwestern, like we said earlier, they win this one. I think they're pretty much a lock for the tournament. So I, I think it's definitely game of the week and I'm looking forward to it. It should be, should be a good one. Thankfully for the Hoosiers, um, this game is not um, Saturday at noon. Although I'm now looking (laughs) down the schedule and seeing that uh, we do get that game again this week, which God damn it. Stop doing that to us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, hopefully they show, they show up this time. Um, yeah, real quick. I'm hoping we also avoid a, a redo of last year's trip to Evanston where God, half the team uh, got suspended for disciplinary reasons. Um, you know, you can do your research on what took place. I think it was pretty, yeah. pretty, uh, widely known um if we can avoid having anthony leo playing 35 minutes of point guard or whatever it was um like last that would year be that would ideal be, would be ideal um what else we got um thursday six thirty. uh that is the aforementioned purdue at maryland um maryland great on their home court less so on the road luckily for them this one is on their home court Interested to see yeah. how those uh, guards match up. Yeah, and I think similar to Purdue, I think this is another chance. Like for Maryland, I think this is an opportunity for them to to truly seal up an NCAA tournament bid. They're kind of hovering in that same um, same stratosphere. I think they're probably a little bit higher up on the seed list. Um, but yeah, like we like we said earlier. Should be uh should be a good one. The guard the guard play will be definitely the the thing to watch and um you know College Park loves to to talk about 
their home environment. So I'm, I'm sure they will be rowdy and ready to go. Although the, the 630 tips can be a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit tricky, but I'm sure, I'm sure it is a Thursday. Some, it is a Thursday, which I think helps. I was going to say, I'm sure there will be some well lubricated uh, students mm-hmm. ready to, to get after it. There's got to be some bar uh, near the Maryland campus that has a $2 Thursday or $3 Thursday promotion or something like that. I wonder if uh, this will be an SVP appearance game. Oh, I'm sure he'll be there for this. He was there for the IU game. Yeah, I feel like they usually... He's got to make a trip down because, I mean, Purdue is still going to be number three at that point. We're not going to be re-ranked. That's a huge game. He better be there. It would be uh, extremely funny if Maryland also storms the court on them. Like, I, th- I yeah. think the entire Big Ten should just make that a thing. Like, even like moving into like years following, like yeah. even if Purdue is like down in a game, just when you're like five hundred in the Big Ten, but yeah. you beat them, you storm the court. Just storm the court. Like, just just make it a thing, and um, hopefully, if if that happens, that Purdue's players can once again avoid engaging in yeah. in fights with fans because apparently yeah. that's the that's the bar now. Look, Greg giveth and Greg taketh away. He did support our uh, TJD for Big Ten Player of the Year uh, uh, campaign earlier. So, speaking of which, did you see uh, see the stat this week? First player in Indiana history to win four straight Big Ten Player of the Weeks. Very cool. Yeah, the tracks. Another... I mean, hey, was this another co? I saw it was a co. Was it with Edie again? I I don't know if it was co. I don't. I didn't. I thought it said. I thought the IU tweet said it was co-player of the week. And I mean, the last three I think have all been Jackson Davis and Edie. Nonetheless, we've all just uh, decided that they're the best two players in the conference, and they're both still very good in every game. So they can't really not give it to both of them if they did it once. Yeah, I'm kind of getting annoyed, and this is a little bit of a, a tangent. And I think it's more so the case with um, Trace and like every time a broadcaster talks about like his his statistical like accomplishments, it always has to be done with through the guise of, you know, if it weren't for Zach Eady, he would be yeah. like, hey, you can, you know, well, just because like, they like, know that if they don't say that they're going to get 18 yeah. uh, Purdue fans and their mentions all named like, I don't know. I don't have a funny name on Paul. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, a bunch of guys with the like blue lives matter sunglasses in the front seat of his pickup <laughs> AVI saying, Oh, well, if trace is so good, then rah, 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 rah. Like, yeah, fucking yeah. shit. Um, another, another common hat man dub. Yeah. Um, also on this week, sadly, this is the Saturday noon game, but it's Illinois at Indiana. And I swear to God, if they're not ready for this one, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Yeah, we've, uh, we've made our, our stance on Illinois very well known at this point. Um, but another, another game, uh, between two top four teams. So we'll. We'll see how it goes. Illinois reheat, uh, reheat the rivalry. Yeah, it's Illinois has been they've been playing well of late. They've won four of their last five. I wonder if any of their assistant coaches will have any memories to share before this one. <laughs> yeah, looking would, forward uh, to that. I think it would be extremely sick if uh, Trace goes for 
35 and 15 or whatever it is that he had against them the first go around. You remember what, what was the, the quote after the game? It's like, I thought they were going to double me and they never did. Or something um, like that. I think that was the one where he said it was something along the lines of they game plan that they like they defended in a way that I had to beat them. And so I did or something like yeah. that. It was like basically like they decided that I was going to have to beat them. So I decided I had to beat them. Yeah, I, I simply just, just, just some king shit, yeah. king shit. Um, yeah, big- all right. Uh, Bardo zone time. First up Tuesday evening, Nebraska at Rucker. This is actually funny because for the past several weeks, I've sort of reflexively been adding Nebraska games to the Bardo zone. This one's actually not because it's Nebraska. It's because it's Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, again, we've <laughs> not to keep rehashing the point that they just fucking suck to watch. It's just, it's not an enjoyable experience. Like yeah. at all, every game is in the fifties and sixties. Like they're, you know, now they've got guys pulling, pulling dirty shit. It's just, it's not, not a fun time. Tough watch, dude. Tough watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sorry, Rucker fans, but you're just unwatchable this week. They're also playing Saturday at noon, but this one's Rutgers in Wisconsin at the Kohl Center. And I, even if I Indiana wasn't playing at that exact same time, you legitimately, you would have to get into four figures before you were paying me enough to watch that game. I won't do it. Yeah, that, that would that would be my Aaron's window. Um, if I were. At home, or if IU wasn't playing, that game's going to end up with a final score in the range of like what the Super Bowl was. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a Spider Man pointing yeah. game. Um, and then finally, Penn State at Minnesota. This is just at this point, Penn State has really kind of lost the vibes, and Minnesota never had them. They're two staple programs of the Bardo Zone at this point, so. Yeah, and I it's think at the barn, t- which is one of the yeah. least aesthetically pleasing Big Ten environments. It's up there with Iowa. Yeah, I, I think when you have two bottom four um, teams, and I realize I didn't put the the time on there, but bottom four teams, especially in the barn, um, it's about as Bardo zone as it gets. Especially for these two teams yeah. in particular, they're they're kind of the. Kind yeah, because I mean, the I core feel like, pillars of the Bardo zone. I feel like shooter teams often struggle in the barn too, so it's not like mm-hmm. Penn State's going to make it fun. Um, yeah. Probably not going to be hitting their jump shots. So, yeah, the the wind's kind of out of their sails, which I know is yeah. a bummer to us personally here on the Games on podcast. But hey, what can you do? Finally, the uh, Jeff Goodman Access Merchant Games of the Week. Um, First off, Saturday evening, Michigan State at Michigan, which actually could be kind of a good game, I think. I mean, obviously, it's an in-state rivalry, but I'm just kind of at the point with Michigan where you got to – the burden of proof is on you. Like, I don't yeah. trust you. I don't trust you to show up. Um, show me something against a good team or else you're going to be here or the Bardo zone for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean this this game kind of sucked the first time around. I think it was in the fifties. Um, Michigan State's a, a a solid team, and Mom, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, uh, but 
they're they're really not all that fun to watch. They're kind of another yeah. slow the game down, muck it up, grind for every everything they get. Um, and you know, our, our thoughts on Michigan are kind of kind of are what they are. But you know, it's a rivalry game. Could be interesting, but honestly, just since both teams are kind of mediocre and Michigan doesn't yeah. really have much juice left. Um, not quite as much pizzazz as it would have in a typical year. Um, I will say this. Um, I do have, I, I, I am hoping Michigan state wins that game because I remembered the other day that I picked them to finish top four. Um, so start winning games, Tom, because I want my throwaway uh, half joking picks to not fall flat. If if there's one thing about the games on podcasts that we care about more than anything else, it's about uh, being right on the internet. Yeah, as much which as we possible. Are, which we are very frequently, by the way. Yeah, um, including about one of the teams in the second uh, Jeff Jeff Goodman game of the week, which is Ohio State at Purdue. Um, that's <laughs> oh, Sunday after that's Sunday afternoon. Um, how much do you think Purdue wins this game by? Like, do you think it gets to like twenty? Yeah, uh, uh, it's very funny that Ohio State keeps getting put in this exact yeah. Sunday one o'clock CBS game window and keeps getting their pants pulled down like they They're have just been. on national TV, just getting <laughs> pantsed over and over again. Like, like at this point, Jeff Goodman's got his his scheduled. Chris Holtman is one of five or six, whatever the fucking stat is, coaches to make He's, seven straight. Like, hey man, like we get it. He returns your texts. It's fine. At, <laughs> at this point, I feel like Jeff's Twitter feed is like one of those numbers stations that just like is like Yankee Hotel. Foxtrot. It's just like over and over. It's just, hey, did you know Chris Holtman's good? Hey, did you know Chris Holtman's good? Hey, did mm-hmm. you know Chris Holtman's good? It's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, let's, have, some, have some dignity. Yeah. He's going to be at Dayton next year. So find another major coach to uh, coattail ride here. I, I will say it would be very funny for this game, for Ohio State to like compete for them to like show up winning. here for, for them because like after they, everything they that's happened this year they go into Mackey yeah. and they fucking win yeah well like back in uh you know early january when they blew that game against purdue and columbus like they, they had that game won mm-hmm. and then they they blew it and that's kind of when the spiral started yeah so it, it would be you know kind of sweet poetic justice yeah Yeah, poetic justice if they you know they showed up and full circle yeah holtman gets a a massive extension god that'd be more best i want to see i want to see that happen just to see jeff goodman's twitter (laughs) timeline after that game because he will go on one of those like retweet sprees like hey what's up (laughs) Um, yeah what's up yeah. yeah that, oh, oh, you thought Chris Holman didn't have it anymore. He's good. He good would be, bit. What's the, uh, and again, it, it's hard doing this on, but the meme of the guy like spraying champagne bottles on the podium. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's what Goodman's doing. When you, when you 
when the access merchant beats the loving a coach that goes 15 and 17 allegations or whatever the fuck. I don't know. That bit was terrible, but you guys get the point. No. Everybody knows that meme. It's a good bit. Anyway, um, I'll probably be watching that game, but you know, yeah, I, to answer I, your, I may I, not I think, enjoy it. I think Purdue wins that game by 20, it, yeah. especially if Purdue loses that game to Maryland Thursday. Yeah, Purdue's going to win that game by twenty twenty five, and it's going to. I mean, be- they'd better if they lose to Maryland, and then they, I, I would actually be at the point where if they lost to Maryland and then they didn't beat Ohio State by double digits, they might fall out of the top ten. Yeah, I mean, they might not, but they probably should. I guess is the better way of putting it. I still think they have enough cachet that I don't know yeah. that it would affect them that much, but I kind yeah, of feel would- like if you if you lose. At Northwestern, at Maryland, and then you let a bad Ohio State team stay in the game. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, like you're going to start asking very real questions about that team. Yeah, it would be frankly very funny to watch. So, yeah, so I think that's what we're going to be rooting for. Yeah, kind of a down week, other than the yeah, you know the the games on category. Not a ton of ton of juice. Yeah. Which yeah, uh, there there were a lot of games that were sort of between games on and Bardo Zone for me. I I didn't yeah. quite hate them enough to put them in Bardo Zone, but I definitely wasn't like I'm looking forward to that. Like yeah. I, I mean, am looking a... forward to that Purdue Maryland game. If mm-hmm. I wasn't an Indiana fan, I'd be looking forward to the their two games. Like yeah. those are some big games, but other than that, there's just not a ton going on. Yeah, I mean, we there was last week was a particularly heavy week on like you know, big matchup. So it's not surprising that yeah things are a little bit wider this week, but nonetheless, some interesting stuff to keep an eye on. True. True. Um, you know, I really thought without Bavar, we might be able to fly through this a little faster, but we're, you know, we're still over an hour. So I guess at least we're, we're really, uh, the listeners are getting their money's worth, um, every <laughs> well, single it, week from us. It's the depth of analysis that we're providing on all of, all of these teams and, like we said, hundred percent, hundred percent. Our track record of being right is a uh, substantial at this point. So, yeah, just don't ask Tell us it. about Penn State too much. Yeah, I'll, I'll scrub that one from the from the audio audio files. Yeah, that's the great thing. I saw that uh, tweet. I think I retweeted it. It was a Brookings Institution like study where they <laughs> interviewed a bunch of podcasters and the quote they po- chose was you can basically say anything you want. And I was like, you're goddamn right. We can, yeah. and we That's... can pull shit from the internet afterwards. So you can't prove we said anything we said. Yeah. Like who cares if we're right or wrong? Like <laughs> it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like you're still listening. So to quote Eli Apple, I'm going to talk my biggest trash and whether I back it up or not, it doesn't matter. That's right. On that note, um, thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of the games on dude. Um, if you're interested, check us out on Twitter. I'm at Tommy underscore crimes. Um, if you want uh Babar's uh, jailhouse tweets, um, he's at Babar ESQ, um, which, I mean, I guess he can represent himself. Um, and I, in Nevada. I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Also, he's not actually in jail, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and you can also find Chris at, at Chris Shooty 3 
um, and follow the pod for updates on things like fucked up release schedules because of the big game at <laughs> games on pod. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, rants, feel free to email us at gamesonpod at gmail.com. Um, I've got a few sitting there that are actual questions and like segment ideas and things like that. Mm. So I was thinking, depending on um, how much actual basketball we have to talk in the next couple of weeks, I might start pulling some of that. So if you've sent us an email and you haven't heard us talk about it yet, don't worry. I've seen it. It's on the docket. It's coming. Yeah. Um, our intro and outro music is Sports FM by Shane Ivers, courtesy of SilvermanSound.com. Thank you for that. And finally, we'd love it if you could help us spread the word. All five-star reviews, as we noted, come with a Kramer Award nomination. But anything you do to spread the word will be appreciated, whether it's online or in real life. So that's all we got. And I just want to commend myself here. I have not been feeling well for the past 24 hours or so. I had a real bad sore throat last night and coming into this podcast, I was like, Oh, I'll be fine. Back half of this show has been a fucking <laughs> ringer for me. Um, so hopefully that didn't come across too much in this audio experience. Isn't going to be too horrifying for you at home, but um, what can I say? This is my flu game. Yeah. The, the Tommy crimes flu game. Pod- podcasters are are the true uh yeah true heroes we're the, of society we're the we're the real first responders <laughs> um so yeah um thanks to me for fighting through it and really delivering what i think is some pretty great content tonight um chris anything you want to add before we uh close this baby down no just keep keep showing the love with the tweets and the quote tweets and the kramer award submissions um let's let's see how uh how deep cut we can get with the, with the Kramer awards. I want to see some true, some true freak shit in the DMS. Yeah. I'm, I'm already psyched that we got a referee and honestly <laughs> also that our first ref wasn't Ted Valentine. I can't wait to get like, yeah, I've got some, some beef to pick with like the athletic trainer from Minnesota in like 2007 yeah. or some shit. So, or like Yogi Ferrell's mom or something. <laughs> oh, I I'll save this for another one, but I, I would like to do a segment on Travis Trice's mom. <laughs> okay. That's a great teaser for all you at home. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, we will talk to you next week on the games on dude. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.